0: Angels. You know, there's a lot of movies and a lot of TV shows that include angels. Some of them about, are specifically about angels. I remember there was Angels in the Outfield. Then they made a movie called Angels in the End Zone. Then there was Angels in the City. They even had John Travolta playing an angel called Michael. Um, so I, there are a lot of, and we see a lot of TV shows. You remember that TV show called Touched by an Angel, which was one of the most watched shows uh, in history at that time. We have a fascination in our culture with angels, but I'm afraid if we only look to Hollywood, we will have the purpose and who angels are grossly misrepresented. So this morning, we're going to look and see what the scripture says. Now, it's going to be like a fire hydrant. I'm going to go ahead and tell you right up front. And we have something called a YouVersion app. You can get that app and you can see my notes on there. If you don't want to do that, you can pick up a copy of the notes at the desk on the way out. Uh, so if you miss one thing, it's, it's okay. You can, you can grab it. Uh, but I do think this is an important subject. And I do think it's an important uh, topic that largely uh, most people uh, don't know a lot about. So we want, we, I want to talk to you about that today. Now, my favorite story about angels is actually found in scripture. It's found in 2 Kings chapter 6. And it's a story of a guy named Elisha. Now, he is the prophet who took the mantle, mantle from the great prophet Elijah. And Elisha as we pick up in this story, we see that he is the prophet who speaks on God's behalf. That's what a prophet was for. He was to speak to the people on God's behalf. He was to give the word of God. This is back in a time where people didn't have Bibles and scriptures, so the prophet would speak into them the word of God. And so, at this point, there's a country called Aram that is seeking to wage war on the nation of Israel. And As Aram's king begins to plan, he begins to plan sabotages, and he begins to lay traps for the the army of Israel and for the leaders of Israel. But they never seem to be working. It appears as if they're being tipped off. And so finally the king, after several instances, he brings all of his officials in and the military leaders, and he said, I want to know who is on the side of Israel. And one of his leaders speaks up and says, Oh, great king, it's not that one of us are spies. It's not one of us are traitors. But this man, Elisha, tells the king of Israel what you say in your very bedroom. He knows before it ever occurs. And he tips the king off. He said, if that's true, then we need to go and find this prophet Elisha. And we need to capture him and do away with him. So he sends out his own spies to find the great prophet. And it doesn't take him long to discover that he's in a small town called Dothan. It probably only had 150 or 200 people in it at the time. It's a very small town. But this is where Elisha is currently residing. So they find out that he's here. And so the king of Aram sends his entire army out to capture this one man. It's a great picture. You can imagine. It would have been a great movie. So they all go out to capture this one man. <clears throat> and so they surround the, ty- the, the entire little community of Dothan. And Elisha's servant goes out. And when he goes out that morning, he notices that there's this huge army all around them, surrounding him. And he goes in and he tells Elisha, Master, what will we do? And he tells him what's, what's outside. And Elisha very calmly says don't worry, buddy. There are more with us than there are with them. Basically saying, hey, we've got more on our side than they have on their side. But his servant doesn't get it. All he can see is this vast army surrounding him, all these warriors surrounding them. What are you talking about? <clears throat> and He says, let me pray. And so he prays and he asked God, he said, open the eyes of my servant that he might see, basically, into the spirit world, that he might see your army, O God, surrounding us. And so when Elisha prays that prayer, his servant opens his eyes and he doesn't just see the physical world. He's able to see into the spiritual world of which there is a host of God's army angels all around, ready to move at the second of the command. I love that story. Because what it does, it gives us a a vivid picture that this is not the only thing that's going on. We tend to look at the world and look at our lives strictly in the carnal perspective. Strictly at what's before us. But we know from scripture there is a whole other host of things that are going on in the spirit world. And while we are not able to see into the spirit world currently... It doesn't mean that it doesn't exist. We know angels are spirits, and we're going to see that in just a moment. There are 34 books in the Bible that mention angels. That's more than half the books, so there must be something to them. Not only that, there are over 200 references in the Bible in the New Testament alone about angels. The names and categories of angels are are several. One, there are archangels. Uh, Michael and Gabriel. We know Michael is an archangel, and because of, uh, in the Catholic Bible, in Tobit, it mentions that all those who are guarding uh, the throne of God are considered archangels, and so Gabriel is probably an archangel as well. We know in Luke chapter 1 that Gabriel comes and makes the announcement to Zechariah, and then he makes the announcement about Jesus to his parents, and so uh, often we see them fulfilling that role. Uh, We know the Bible tells us in 1 Timothy, chapter 5 verse 21 that there are elect angels and elect angels are simply those who have stayed faithful to God. Uh, if we, we'll talk about it in a moment but if you want to read it another time we're not going to read it today. In Ezekiel chapter 28 verses 11 through 19 it kind of tells the story of Satan's fall and those angels that fell with him we now call demons. There are seraphim and cherubim uh, that, those are the cherubim and seraphim, those are hard, hard to differentiate, but we know this. We know that they are worshipers of God and they are messengers of God. They work on behalf of God. Matter of fact, you even see the cherubim uh, on the Ark of the Covenant. And then there are fallen angels, as I mentioned a while ago. And we see in Luke chapter 8, verse 30, that Jesus speaks about this. If we, in Luke chapter 8, verse 30, Jesus asked him, what is your name? And he's speaking to a man who is possessed by demons. And he says, and he said, legion for many demons have entered him. And so we know that there are fallen angels. We know that there are demons. Jesus acknowledged it. Let's look at our text here and read Hebrews chapter one, verse four through seven. And then we'll look at verses Um, 13 and 14. Hebrews chapter 1, verse 4 through 7. And this is speaking of Jesus having become as much superior, speaking about Jesus, to angels. So we know that Jesus is, uh, we believe that Jesus is God, the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit. That's what we mean when we say God, but angels are creations. And he says here that angels as in the name he has inherited is more excellent than theirs. In other words, he is higher, obviously, than the angels. For to which the angels did, for which of the angels ever did say to God, you are my son, today I've forgotten you. None did. Or again, I will be to him a father and he shall to be to me a son. And again, when he brings the firstborn into the world, he says, let all of God's angels worship him. So we know angels worship Jesus. Of the angels, he says, he makes his angels winds and his ministers a flame of fire. Now, that right there is Hebrew poetry. A matter of fact, it's quoted out of the Old Testament. And what he's saying right here is he makes the angel winds. He's using kind of a metaphor. Angels are as the wind. You can sense and feel their presence, but you don't actually see them. Not usually. Now, sometimes God chose to personify them, but typically you do not see them. And then the Bible says... And to which of the angels has it ever said, sit at my right hand until I make your enemies a footstool for your feet? And he's speaking of angels it. He said, are they not ministering spirits? So if I was just going to give one simple definition of what angels are and what their function is biblically, I would use this phrase right here. They are ministering spirits. Now they worship God, we'll see that in a moment, but they are ministering spirits on his behalf. They ministered unto Jesus. We remember after he had been tempted uh, in the desert for 40 days, after his temptation, they came and ministered to him. We know that angels also were the ones who gave the announcement. That Jesus has risen. We know that an angel appeared after Jesus left the Mount of Transfiguration and gave instructions to the disciples. They are ministering spirits. The word angel, angelos in the Greek, literally means messenger. And same thing in in the Hebrew, it means a messenger. They're ministering spirits who bring messages and sent out to serve for the sake of those who inherit salvation. So, the biblical basis for angels, let's look at a few other things. In Colossians 1:16, the Bible shows us right here. and matter of fact, do we have that, that passage right there that the world, here we go. For by Him all things were created. So we know God created all things. Angels would be included. OK? God, the Father, Son, Holy Spirit, they, create, they created all things in heaven and in earth, and then we see visible and invisible. OK? We're talking about heaven and earth. And visible and invisible. So we see the invisible here. Whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things were created through him and for him. And we'll talk a little bit about the dominions and rulers and authorities here in just a moment. We also know that another biblical basis for angels, as we just read, is they are spirits, according to Hebrews 1.14 that we just read. And according to Hebrews 1.4-6, they are subject to Jesus. They are meant to minister and worship Jesus. Angels are a sign. Now, sometimes people say, do we have a guardian angel? Now, the Bible doesn't specifically say that. Uh, but if you were going to look at a passage, this would be the passage that you would use if, we, if you were trying to make that argument. And it's found in Matthew chapter 18, verse 10. And Jesus is speaking here. And he's not just talking about children. Certainly he has children in mind. But any of those who are young in faith, and it said, see that you do not despise any one of these little ones. For I tell you that in heaven, their angels are always see the face of my father who is in heaven. What is he saying? He's saying there are angels in the presence of God who speak on our behalf. Okay. So we know angels exist. We know angels are in heaven. We know angels are spirits. We know angels are God's messengers. And we also know that angels never die according to Luke chapter 20, verse 35 and 36. But what purpose do angels serve? Well, first of all, they serve the purpose of worship, according to Revelations 5, 11 through 12. Their primary purpose is to worship God. That's our primary purpose too, by the way, to bring worship and glory to God. Secondly, they announce God's plans. Uh, we talked about it before. They announced it in chapter 1 of Luke to Zechariah, to, to and then in, in chapter 2, uh, we see the announcement being made to Mary, and then finally to Joseph. They help accomplish the will of God on earth just like they did in the book of Exodus chapter 14 uh, as God sent an angel as the people were leaving Egypt, uh, the, fire, uh, the fire by night and the pillar during the day and there was an angel uh, before them. And so they do God's work and we could, we could count, there are countless examples of that as well. Also, uh, they, uh, they carry God's people home at death. Now let's look at this, this verse right here. Remember, they're ministering spirits. We know also from 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, it talks about how the angels will come with Christ. But this is the parable of the rich man and the poor man. And Jesus is speaking here and he said that the the poor man died and was carried by the angels to Abraham's side. Your translation may say Abraham's bosom. Now that is the Jewish conception of heaven. So the angels carried the believer, the poor man, to Abraham's side, but the rich man also died and was buried. So we don't see that the angels are carrying those who are not followers of Christ. We continue here on, and we know that they fight the forces of evil, just like we talked about a while ago in 2 Kings chapter 6. What did Jesus say about angels? What did he have to say about angels? Well, first of all, he told about angels ascending and descending upon himself in John chapter 1. Uh, we also see that he mentioned uh, in, in uh, Matthew chapter 26, if you'll remember that story, there in the garden of Gethsemane, the soldiers have come out and Peter uh, decides to pull a sword <coughs> and he slices off the ear uh, of one of the leaders, uh, leader's servants. And what does Jesus do? He rebukes him and he says, do you, did you not know or do you not understand that I could call 12 legions of angels? I could call thousands upon thousands Thousands of angels down, and my father would send them at a moment's notice. But I'm doing this because this is what, what happened for all the prophecies to be fulfilled. So we know uh, that Jesus believes that the angels are there. We know that he has contact. They also will separate the righteous from the wicked, according to Matthew chapter 13, verse 39, and the end. And they will gather the believers in Christ Jesus. Uh, when Christ comes, revealed that angels rejoice every time the salvation of a sinner. every time someone trusts Christ, the Bible tells us that the angels rejoice, they bring worship and glory to God. And he also taught that the devil has angels. let 's look at that one Matthew chapter 25, verse 41. Then he will say to those on his left, "Depart from me, you cursed, into the eternal fire, prepared for the devil and his." angels. Angels are real. Those who are faithful and holy before God and those who have fallen, whom we call demons. So let's talk for just a second about those who are the fallen angels, those who are demons. What is, what is their purpose now? Why, what are they trying to accomplish? Well, first of all, they want to tempt believers. They want to tempt believers. I was reading uh, an article this week Uh, about our plague of pornography. And by the way, we have a group. um, If that's something you struggle with, we'd love to help you with that. But I was reading an article, and and it talked about how pornography is being targeted. That 18 to 25-year-old boys are specifically being targeted. And basically what this article is saying is even if you're just naturally getting on computer, if you're in that age demographic, there are so many sources that are targeting that group that you're, you're going to see, 80% of boys are going to, men are going to see porn at that point because you're specifically being targeted with emails, with propaganda, because they know that's a group that they can capture and that they want to capture. That's the power of the evil one. That's exactly where that comes from. Number two, they, they accuse and slander believers according to Revelation 12.10. They whisper that message, God doesn't care, and You've sinned so much, it doesn't matter. Do you really think you're going to be able to overcome this? They sow counterfeits among believers according to Matthew chapter 13. And they incite persecution against believers according to Revelation 2.10. We know in our world right now, I've mentioned this before, there's more persecution of Christians than any other time in the world. We saw just this past week where a group was specifically targeted that were Christians, some being children and teens that were killed. Uh, Because some would say, well, that's ISIS. What do you think is going on? Matter of fact, I was just reading about a reporter. I just read this yesterday from CNN. He said, in my journalism, I I would always refrain from using the term evil because I felt like that's kind of a man-made thing. It's just bad happenings, bad things happen. But he said, after being in Syria, and this was just this month, he said, after being in Syria and seeing all the children that were suffering from the chemicals that had been released on them, I could call it nothing but evil. So I am reengaging in my vernacular. Now when I write, I recognize that evil exists. You know, the Bible tells us that sometimes demons come as an angel of light. They come in different ways, but it's very real. And for us to ignore it just opens ourselves up wide open. And we're going we're to look at Ephesians 6 here in just a moment. And the Bible specifically tells us about it. So as we think about that, let's do look at Ephesians chapter 6, verse 10 through 13. And then we'll look at verse 19 in just a second. Finally, this is Paul speaking, Be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against The schemes of the devil, schemes, the traps, the tricks, the temptations. Paul is letting us know that this is real, that this happens, that he is scheming right now. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood. It's not just the physical world that you see, but it's also the spiritual world. But against the rulers, against authorities, Against cosmic powers over the, this present darkness, so he's saying there is another world in which there is influence being asserted for you and against you. I believe that one of the pri- another primary tasks that the angels do is they fight on our behalf. They they do help protect you spiritually as you call upon the Lord. I do believe that they minister, and I don't understand all that process, but I believe it's true. And the Bible says that we're not just wrestling against flesh and blood, but against rulers, against authorities, and against cosmic powers. So they are cosmic powers. We, we, I think that's self-explanatory. Uh, there's a demonic world. But sometimes, uh, I think it's, there's a double meaning here. Sometimes they can literally uh, influence or almost control leaders. I think that's why you see despots that are all around the world that are taking advantage of their people, where you see chemicals being used, chemical warfare being used on their own people. As you, look, as you go back and you look at Ezekiel 28, it, it mentions uh, the king of Tyre, but it also gives us the impersonation that he is being controlled by evil forces. I believe that happens. That's why it's so important that we pray for our leaders. We pray for our president. We pray for our Congress, regardless of what our political stance is. There's something bigger going on here than the Republican and the Democratic Party. That's why God commands us to pray for our leaders and authorities and rulers, to pray in this, pray the spirit of God, to pray his ministering spirits be upon them and surround them because there are those who are going against them to influence them. And the Bible says Against the spiritual forces of evil in heavenly places. Therefore take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done so, to stand firm. And then he tells us one of the things that we must do as we drop on down to verse 18. He says this praying at all times in what? The spirit. In spirit, not just reciting our blessings. Not just saying some little prayer, God bless me, but praying in the spirit. That, let me just give you, a, that's a sermon in itself, but in the spirit is when we truly seek the heart of God and we ask him to start speaking and to work, working on our behalf. Not just giving him a laundry list of things that we want, but we start to seek the heart of God. When we start, just like Jesus said in the Lord's prayer, when we start to pray, Lord, your will be done, your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. Not my will be done for my kingdom. But he says, Lord, you're, that's praying in the spirit. When we're praying according to his will, when we're praying according to his word. And he says, praying at all times in the spirit with all prayer and supplication. To that end, keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication for all the saints. It's important that we pray for ourselves. It's important that we pray for them, those in whom God has given us care over. For our children, uh, for our family, for those whom God has put in our life. You may be the only one praying the spirit of God upon that person. Maybe it's someone at work that drives you crazy. Do you recognize that it's not just flesh and blood, but there's a spiritual battle going on for each heart, mind, and soul. And when we think about it that way, hopefully it transforms our mind to begin to pray, particularly for those people who we struggle with the most. What about you? What are you praying for? I, I was reading Jack Hanley, who would, used to be a writer for um, uh, Saturday Night Life. matter of fact, he did these deep thoughts, and he was telling a story. <clears> he <throat> said, so when I was a little kid, I was a small kid in second and third grade, and there was this bully who every day uh, would, would threaten to beat me up if I didn't give him my lunch money. So every day I had to give him my lunch money. But finally, I just got so tired of it, and I told my parents, and they said, well, we need to get you in karate. Why don't you take karate lessons? He goes, that sounds great. I'll take karate, and I'll learn how to defend myself. So I went to a couple of karate lessons, but then I recognized that every week, they wanted $5 from me. And my parents said, you're going to need to pay for your own lessons. And I started looking at it, and I go, well, that's more than the bully wants. So I quit taking karate, and I thought it was cheaper to just give the bully my money. And so I just quit karate and just moved on path of least resistance that's exactly what some of us do sometimes you know what it's easier to just go over the flow I know I really shouldn't be looking at this I know I really shouldn't be going here I know I shouldn't be getting involved with this but you know what it's easier than resisting it's easier than praying and memorizing scripture and having accountability it's easier I'll just pay the bully and so you do pay But often we don't recognize the cost of the one who seeks to kill, steal, and destroy. I ask you this morning, do you believe, first of all, in Jesus Christ? If you believe in Jesus Christ, do you believe what he said? He says there are demons. He says there's a spirit world. He says that we are to pray and to seek him. And are you doing it?